0: Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. So we are barely into 2023 and already we've seen mass celebrations turn into massacres. We're going to talk about two that happened in January of this year, 2023. Despite happening in the same month, they could not be any different. We're gonna start off talking about the one that happened first, the annual kite festival of Utaran. And it happens each year in India. Every year in Gujarat, huge crowd huge crowds of thousands come out and they fly the kites on the fourteenth and the fifteenth of January. And basically it's like this celebration of the seasons changing and harvests that are soon to come, and when I can find, it's kind of like one of the biggest events on the Indian calendar, so like it's a big deal. I think for them, it's probably like what we would equate to like our biggest event being like Christmas. You know, people go all out, and in this case, um, people fly kites, and they do that from the street. They go up on rooftops, on terraces, balconies, and we'll you know, it's just crazy. There's all these people, all these kites, and it's kind of a phenomenal sight because these aren't like simple kites that you'd find at Dollar Tree. Usually, like, these are like really large, intricate, you know, detailed, colorful
1: kites. We will post some pictures of the kites on our Instagram so you can see just how amazing the festival is supposed to be, and also that we know how to use Instagram.
0: Yes. Just one second. I'm gonna show you Shannon what the festival looks like, um, and then we'll talk real quick about the not so great part. Because I want you to see these kites. Because I, when I was looking it up, I was like, "Wow, that looks so cool, so fun!" It's like super bright. You see
1: them? Oh wow, they're very festive.
0: They are, and they're so like. I mean, look how huge these yeah. are! Like bigger than the people. Like they're huge. Okay, so. Um. Anyway, she said what it's supposed to be like because what happened during this year's festival was not how it's supposed to go. It was, in fact, fatal for many. Traditionally, during Uteran, kite strings were made of cotton. However, as time has gone on, this has changed, you know, time changes. And among kite fighters, they've gravitated towards a string called Manahi, which Is derived from China, but it's now exclusive to India.
1: So what is so special about this kite string?
0: So kite fighters like this string because it does not break easily. It's generally made from like a nylon string and it's dusted with powdered glass, making them ideal for severing the kite strings of their opponents. The problem comes when these kite fighter strings fall closer to the ground and get entangled around the throats of people, birds, that type of thing. Curty was one of those that became a casualty during the festival this year. The two-year-old was riding on the back of a scooter with her father when one of the kite strings cut her neck. She sadly passed in the hospital as they tried to treat her. While Curty was the youngest of those to be a victim of the kite strings, she was only one of six deaths that were caused by, caused by kite strings this year. Three-year-old Kismut was walking home with her mother when a kite string caught her by the neck. Much like Curdy, the doctors at the hospital were unable to save her. A seven-year-old boy who had just purchased his kite to go join the festival was riding on a scooter with his parents when a kite string caught his neck too. A 35-year-old man riding his motorcycle over a bridge was cut by the kite string and died instantly. The two other fatalities this year were both men who were riding bikes and got entangled by the strings as well. According to the EMS there, 130 people were plagued with cuts and 46 sustained injuries from falling from heights while flying their kites, not to mention
1: a major uptick in road accidents. Why don't they ban the string or maybe even the festival at this point? Well, Pakistan, who did this festival for many
0: years actually did ban the practice um, of the whole festival for similar reasons 2007 they had a number of deaths and decided it was time to end the festival india though has not made that leap yet despite having many deaths at uterine even in past years as for the string itself it's actually been banned in india since 2017 the person is caught using or selling it they face a fine of 10 or i'm sorry 100 thousand rupees which would be about $1,230 in U.S. currency, plus a possible five-year sentence. The problem is, other than going in and doing raids of kite string places, it's not really enforced. Because of that, it remains pretty widespread during the festival. And in reading an article, I saw that it really isn't that hard for the youth to get kite string from places underground. Um. So until authorities crack down on the selling and the usage of the string, or India decides to ban the festival altogether, I personally foresee this being a fatal festival for years to come. We talked about a little bit some of the falling injuries, because I talked about the beginning, a lot of them were on balconies and rooftops, and they ended up being like falling and injuring themselves. And in past years, on top of the kite string injuries and deaths, There were deaths in the past year of not only deaths because of the kite string, but deaths from the falls, from heights. So it seems like the kite strings may be most of the issues, but maybe the festival itself is not the best.
1: I'm sorry. I'm still just over here having a hard time thinking. We're trying to crack down on drugs over here in America, and they're trying to crack down on kite string. (laughs) I mean... Well, we don't have a giant kite string festival. I know. I'm just like, they've got to really crack down on that kite string over there. (laughs) I'm just
0: saying I'm glad I live in a country where death by kite string isn't a
1: known thing. I definitely don't want to fly a kite now.
0: Well, unless you're using, um, you know, deadly kite string that's um, covered in powdered glass. Not sure who thought that was even a good plan. Um, I think you're no, okay. No. I don't think the Dollar Tree is selling, <laughs> new, selling you nylon string coated in powdered glass. So while death by kite string might be a new thing to us, mass shootings are something we've discussed before on here. And I don't see a lot of information in India about mass shootings. So they're probably wondering what our issue is. and We're over here wondering why they're dying by kite string. So, yeah. No <laughs> so, doubt. While we've discussed mass shootings on here before, the demographic of mass shootings done by someone who's Asian American is only 4.2%, which I think is what really makes Monterey Park Lunar New Year shootings so shocking. The many dancers at the Star Ballroom Dance Studio in Monterey Park were dancing their hearts out on Saturday, January 21st. They were enjoying the first night of Lunar New Year celebrations totally unaware of the chaos that was about to ensue. So, at 10.22 p.m., Hach Kantran entered the dance hall carrying a gun. He methodically squatted down, out of sight, and began raining down a hellfire of bullets. To invoke the most amount of damage, he moved the gun back and forth
1: across his body. Kind of like you're using a water hose to water your yard or something? Exactly that kind of motion. And I did you think about it, it makes me think of,
0: like, every action movie ever. Yeah. Yes. Three minutes after the first 911 call, police were on the scene to help anyone who had escaped the dance studio through any back or side exits. Eleven minutes after Tran had entered the star ballroom, police went inside to see a devastating room full of wounded and dead bodies of men and women who had just gone out that night for fun. Was the Tran in the dance studio, too? Tran was not. He managed to escape. And of course, at the time, police didn't know that Tran was who they were looking for. He managed to slip out and get into his white van to go to another dance studio, the Lele Ballroom. It was about 17 minutes from the Star Ballroom. He would not make it fire into the the ballroom, into the studio, before an employee, 26-year-old Brandon, wrestled the gun away from Tran. Brandon is going to tell us about his experience with that. I got the courage. I I lunged at him with both my hands, grabbed the weapon, and we had a struggle. We struggled into the lobby trying to get this gun away from each other. So Brandon was actually the grandson of the owners of the ballroom, and there is a very good video of the struggle that ensued between Brandon and Tran to get the gun back and the link for that will be in our show notes but once Brandon got the gun they they struggled back and forth and when Tran was unable to get the gun away from Brandon then he fought the scene of course Brandon called the police and they arrived shortly after Brandon held in his hand a major clue as the gun, a magazine-fed semi-automatic assault pistol, was registered to tram. they now had a possibility of who the gunman might be, and started the hunt to find him. Sunday morning, around ten twenty a.m., the authorities were following a white van down Hawthorne Boulevard. When the police confirmed that the plates on the van were stolen, they pulled the van over for a traffic stop. The van pulled into a strip mall parking lot as cops approached the van. They heard a single gunshot. Tran has ended
1: his own life as the authorities closed in on him. Did he happen to leave a note or something like what caused the reason for the mass shooters? To... Was there any reason for the shooting? He did not leave anything
0: behind. And there is quite a bit of speculation behind why he did it. So I'm going to give you the information I was able to find from people closest to him leading up to the shooting. And we can talk about the different theories people have put out there. So Tran went to the police twice within two weeks of the shooting. The first time he went was on the 7th of January. He told the police that his family had been trying to poison him for decades, and they were trying to scam him out of all of his money. The police basically told him to bring some proof, and then they would investigate. The police claim at the time that Tran was coherent, and he didn't present as mentally ill. He had returned on the 9th of January to the police, though it doesn't look like an investigation was open, so I'm assuming he brought in a proof on his second visit. After the fact, the claims really confused police, as Tran had an ex-wife as of 2005, but no children or any other family. So I'm not sure who, you know, they weren't sure who would be poisoning him or trying to scam him out of his money. He was a landlord whose previous tenant described him as a solitary man. According to that same man, Tran had used, has in the past, frequented both dance halls until about five years ago. The previous tenant said that Tran felt unwelcome, especially at the Star Ballroom Dance Hall, which was the first place he went. He apparently had ill feelings for many people at both dance halls. Outside of that, all we really know about Tran is what we can find in public records, which is that he owned a trunk, trucking company for two years, about 2002 to 2004, in the Monterey Park area, and he had a criminal record
1: from 1990 for unlawful possession of a firearm. Before you talk about the different theories, did Tran have any connections to the people that he killed at the star ballroom?
0: So Tran ended up ending the lives of 11 people that night, all in their 50s to 70s. From what the police had found thus far, he had no specific or personal ties to any of the people he killed. However, since they are deceased and he's deceased, there might be something the police don't and may never know. Very true. So what theories have been brought up? I'll profit this by saying the police have made it clear they're looking at all stories that have and continue to come in in attempts to try and find the motive. They're not disregarding any possible ideas. In my research, the one that I first saw is in the earliest newspapers was the possibility of a hate crime, as both dance halls were a gathering place for many Asian Americans, especially during t- a time when they would be celebrating for the Lunar New Year. Now, I personally don't think Tran was targeting them because of their race. Though, really, I you know that's just my opinion. I just don't think that's it. Another theory was that it was a domestic violence situation. I think some speculated that maybe there was someone there he was seeing romantically and that was the person he went to the police about regarding the suspicion of poisoning
1: him. If that was the case, wouldn't someone have connected Tran and either one of the victims or maybe he didn't shoot them? Maybe someone was there at the dance halls? So I personally could kind of see this being a plausible
0: option. Maybe after the shooting of the dance, like the star dance hall, Tran realized his target wasn't there and he went to the other one to see if they you know, were dancing there. It could be possible that the person he was searching for was not at either location and they didn't realize that Tran was looking for them, so I haven't said anything.
1: I could maybe see that. Any other theories you have found out? None of these really sit right with me for some reason.
0: The only other one I found was mental illness or some sort of psychotic break. I know the police in the weeks leading up to the Fatal event felt that Tran did not present as mentally ill, but being paranoid about family he didn't really seem to have seems mentally unstable to me. And especially since he claimed they've been trying to poison him for decades and he's just saying something now, that doesn't add up to saying to me. He also, from what that previous tenant said, had to have seemed to have some sort of paranoid tendencies. You know, the tenant had mentioned the P, pe- like, the people at the dance halls um, and that Tran felt that they were, you know, they didn't like him. I don't think I mentioned it earlier. So I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but Tran was 72 years old when this occurred, which first of all makes him one of the oldest mass killers in the U.S., but also may explain his failing mental health. Just in my personal opinion, this is a theory that I most align with. What theory of motive do you guys most align with? We may never know the truth behind the motive, but we can remember the victims of the fatal night in Monterey Park, as well as those in India that died at the Uterod Festival. We will post pictures of as many victims as we can find the pictures of.
1: But what is your theory on
0: motive, Shannon?
1: I think it has to be some kind of mental illness. Um, Just to me, that's mainly the paranoia of the poison food and everything beforehand. But also, if you're going to do something like this, please leave a note because I'm very curious. We are not condoning mass murder. Oh, no, no. But if you are going to do anything like this, please leave a note. There's too many nosy people out here. Yeah, we like to know, okay? We don't really like to. Have the theories? Well, we like to have the theories
0: <laughs> at first, but we would like to have an answer. We yeah. like closure.
1: Okay. Yes. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, this is why we don't do unsolved
0: case. We're closure people here. Yes. So maybe they will find the motive, but I mean, let's be real. The police really aren't going to know. It's not like they can ask him. Like, no. That's why you're today, the very best are going to be like, "This is why we think it happened." Yes. But I mean. We're never really going to know the true motive. I mean, especially if it was mental illness. There's not really a way to prove that. So, But that's personally my thought is the paranoia between he said he was being scammed and he was being poisoned and nobody at the dance halls liked him. It's just a lot of paranoia for one person. Um, So I think it was some sort of mental, mental illness or some sort of psychotic break. But we would love to know your thoughts. And maybe we didn't hit a theory that you found or that you thought of. We would love to hear your theories as well as you have a different one. So let us know. We always recommend more bubbly. And less OJ.
1: Cheers!
0: If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok. Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you!